0: Commentary on Donald Trump's vice presidential pick.
1: A preview of this week's Republican National Convention. This is Jared Ingalls. And this is Caleb Wheat. And this is Ingalls Wheat 2016.
0: This past week, Donald Trump finally chose his vice presidential nominee. He'd been building up suspense for this for quite some time. There were a bunch of names in the bag. Chris Christie, Newt Gingrich, uh, Sarah Palin back at one point. Uh Some people were even earlier, like Ben Carson. Fortunately, we did not end up with either of those. And we have ended up with Governor Mike Pence of Indiana. He is a trusted, consistent, conservative with strong evangelical ties and who is considered trustworthy and honest and a real conservative by the party establishment. And for me, that's got to be probably the main reason that Donald Trump chose Mike Pence as his vice presidential nominee. Um, But what are some other reasons do you think that he made this choice,
1: Caleb? Uh, Well, I mean, let's just I saw one person tweet. um, I don't know if this is something I should say, but it was funny. Um, I saw one person tweet something like, "Well, I'm pretty good at hating black people and Mexicans, but I'm not so great on hating women." And someone goes, "Mike Pence is available." Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. <laughs> that is the uh, that is the liberal perspective on Mike Pence. But what you can take from that, right. if so, if the liberal perspective is making that argument, what you can take from that is that Mike Pence is known. For his uh, for his uh, uh, promotion of and work towards social uh, conservative issues uh, dealing with uh, abortion and, and religious freedom and so, and things of that nature, and he also has a, you know he also has that record of being major tax cuts and has this ability to say that he can't he has uh, provided for record investment into education and infrastructure and things like that. While also slashing taxes for everyone in, in the state of Indiana, which of course it looks like it, the, his tax cuts by my by my uh, quick assessments look more like you know Bush Nat, Bush level kind of tax cuts for the for the richest and you know kind of that the trickle down economic basic kind of idea. Um, so really, what Mike Pence is is the Let's
0: one call it an idea. It's not a trickle down idea. It's a trickle down fantasy maybe (laughs) fairy tale uh does not work by cutting tax (laughs) for those who need it the least Uh, no if you're gonna cut taxes i'm all for cutting taxes right right exactly but cut taxes for as many people as you can which means cut taxes for the middle class anyway yeah going back to what you were saying him being known for social issues i don't think that's a strength at all for the general election, I think it you not unifies the Republican exactly. Party, which is why that he chose Mike Pence. He needed to get exactly. the party behind him because even if you win ninety five percent of the Republican Party you're still going to lose the election. That's what happened to Mitt Romney. And Mitt Romney had strong appeal to a variety of independent groups. So what Donald Trump has done, he's done what he needed to do. He needed to consolidate the establishment so they would go out there and raise money for him. But I do not see how this plays well in a general election when it's going to be crucial for Donald Trump to be able to reach out to independent voters and to be able to even reach out to Democratic voters in order to achieve victory. Mike Pence does not expand his appeal with African Americans, with Latinos, or with women, or with college-age students—four demographics that make up the Obama coalition that won him the White House twice—and that is already uniting behind Hillary in even greater numbers.
1: Yes, and the the problem. This is where the Never Trump people in the Republican Party have, in one way, succeeded, because what they have caused is Trump to be unable to focus. On the general election. Does that make sense? We are at the stage where yes. he is going into his national convention, and it is just today. I mean, it is just with today, as we're going to talk about in just a minute, when the Never Trump faction within the Republican Party was soundly you know, squashed in the, midst of the, in the midst of the rules debate at the convention this afternoon, it is just today that Trump is able to actually turn his attention toward the general election. And so he had to make a vice presidential pick that did not expand his base for the general election, but rather consolidated his base within the Republican Party, which is what no candidate is supposed to be worried about in July. That should have been something you worry about in March. Exactly.
0: You don't want to consolidate – your your vice presidential pick is supposed to, in some way, strengthen your candidacy for the general. Mm-hmm. It is not supposed to uh, make sure that you can secure the primary victory in the convention, uh, which is kind of what Mike Pence did, was to silence a lot of that pushback in the Never Trump movement. Um, but let's just even talk about some awkward moments. A lot of people have continued to be skeptical about – The chemistry between Mike Pence and Donald Trump, these are men of very different personalities, men who have very different dispositions in front of the camera, who interview differently, and difference is often okay. But for them, is it too much, and do they actually disagree on too much? Because there have already been journalists who have done a very good job at trying to hold Pence accountable for things that he has said throughout this entire campaign that disagree with Donald Trump. And it's been very uncomfortable to watch interviews when Donald Trump and Mike Pence are speaking together. Because, for example, yesterday I was watching this interview when a journalist asked Mike Pence, back in March, and I quote your Twitter account, Mr. Pence, you said, any any law or any comments talking about banning Muslims from entering this country is inherently offensive and unconstitutional. Are you backing away from that by saying you now support Donald Trump's ban on Muslims coming to this country? And Pence didn't even get to answer. Uh Trump jumped in and tried to answer. So every time that Pence got asked questions about his rhetoric in the past that has disagreed with Trump, Trump often would interrupt and give an answer. It always looked very uncomfortable. Like Mike Pence never looked completely content with any of the responses that Trump
1: was giving. Yeah. This is the problem. They don't know each other. Donald Trump doesn't know Mike Pence. And the problem is Donald Trump doesn't know anybody in the Republican Party. Not anybody who would be willing to work with him. And not anybody who would be a good selection. And so Mike Pence has agreed to this solely for the purpose of promoting his own personal political career. Which I think is idiotic because this is actually just going to ruin his personal political career for the rest of his life. I think that's abundantly clear. And their personalities and their demeanors on stage are too different to work together. They are simply, they are not the same person, they are not the same politician, they are not the same kind of campaigner, and that will that is going to consistently be demonstrated in the course of this election. And the thing about Mike Pence, and the fact that he's going to be backed into that corner, is he's going to become a liability to Donald Trump. Because Sarah Palin was a liability to John McCain, And basically was the thing that cost him that election. Ultimately, I think Obama would have won no matter who John McCain picked. But Sarah Palin is the one we can easily point to and say, she's the reason he lost, right? And I mean, imagine the conversation, you know, a vice presidential debate, the only thing that you want as the top ticket candidate from the vice presidential debate is for it to be completely not newsworthy right you don't want to count on them right. being a positive force for your campaign you just don't want them to be a negative force imagine mike pence and elizabeth warren going ahead to head okay and well she will she, well
0: elizabeth warren literally destroys everybody that she yes. debates. She seems she, she is far more loquacious. She's far more articulate. She has a firmer grasp on the facts of the economic uh, needs, of not needs, but even just the economic life of the middle-class American household. And she always, even people of her own party, she has no trouble pinning yes. in a corner and making them feel like idiots. Yeah. So I don't think, I, I'm not sure Elizabeth Warren's going to be the nominee, but that would be a disaster to have her against Mike Pence in a vice presidential debate.
1: Exactly. That's, that's the thing that I would say as well, because she, and the thing is, she will back him into a corner if she, if she were the vice president's nominee. She would back Mike Pence into a corner on every single discrepancy between what he has said in the past and what he supposedly believes now because he's Donald Trump's nominee. And I would not be surprised if you come out of that vice presidential debate with four or five negative quotable moments from Mike Pence that do serious damage to Donald Trump's chances. And uh, Or, even worse, Trump going to Twitter oh during the gosh, vice presidential debate right. to correct
0: Pence's statements. So I can see oh, Donald Trump, he's right. never had any problems, even when people who endorse him actually insulting them just days later. Um, not because he thinks he's insulting them, but because his personality is insulting and vulgar, and it's just what happens when you're Donald Trump. And I think that that would better even play out worse right. in the media – When this is your vice presidential running nominee, um, in another lighthearted comment, uh, somehow I can, I just want to say that I cannot get off Donald Trump's email list. I have unsubscribed a kabillion times. Uh And the only reason I'm on the list is because I tried going to that Trump rally that one time when he came to Rochester, um, but I got an email the morning after he announced Mike Pence as his nominee, and it had that really awkward original symbol, the uh-huh. Trump Pence <laughs> logo, and they sh- surely they didn't – who is running the marketing campaign? Campaign for the republicans at this point you saw my brother-in-laws and i have talked and it just seems like the republican party is still 10 years behind the democrats when it comes to commercials when it comes to logos yeah. when it comes to advertising websites the staging of things even the rnc the conventions they look older they look Not well put together, right? Um, And I think that was all demonstrated in the rollout of Mike Pence as the nominee. Uh, The horrible logo, uh, the which was like the T penetrating the loop of the P. Yeah, looked very strange. Toilet paper. Um, Right, exactly. So I don't know this. This choice was also something that, since the the choices Happened, we've even learned some other really strange quirk. Except about how this not how Donald Trump's choice even came about because even the not the day that he had already told Mike Pence that he was going to be the not the vice presidential nominee that night even around midnight he was calling people asking if he could change his choice so Donald Trump apparently was not comfortable with the choice that he had made right. and because that's now been going through the press for a couple of days I'm sure that's made Mike Pence uncomfortable right. and caused a little bit of tension between both of them. And I don't see how this this rollout ended up being damaged. Usually, candidates get bumps in the polls after choosing their vice presidential yeah. nominee, and I'm sure Trump will. But I think that that bump will be mitigated in some degree by the series of bad press that has emerged because of how horrible the rollout of this nominee
1: was. Yes. And it is – I mean, overall, I just can't imagine any scenario where this was a good choice. And unfortunately – But one question. Yeah.
0: So, I, I agree with you. I don't think that Mike Pence is a good choice, especially for the general election. I've tried to sit down and think about what Donald Trump could have done differently.
1: Oh, yeah. That's what so I was had So, if Donald.
0: Right. If Donald Trump chose Chris Christie, he would lose Republican. He would not win any independents or Democrats. They're going to stay with Hillary. Yeah. Uh, and he would have lost part of the base. If he had chosen. I don't know, Mike Huckabee, Ben Carson, all these people would have been even worse for the ticket. Yeah. They would have appealed only to an evangelical base. Um, New, if you chose chosen New Gingrich, New Gingrich would not have yeah, solidified that would have the reached. Base. He probably would not have solidified the base, and he is hated by Democrats generally. Yeah. Uh, um, so Donald Trump was put in situation where the best thing that he could hope to do was unite the party, hoping that this will generate high Republican voter turnout and that uh, running against Hillary will generate low Democrat voter turnout, substantial, a substantial differential there in the hopes of winning in the fall. The only other strategy that I see with Mike Pence, and this is the best reasoning I can think of for choosing Mike Pence, is that he is a popular governor of a Midwest state and that Donald Trump's campaign is going to be built around making Hillary Clinton campaign in midwest states that are typically pretty solidly democrat like michigan, wisconsin, pennsylvania. The rust belt is where he's going to be competing against Hillary Clinton and in ohio. And if he could, that's where he if Donald Trump wins the nomination, wins the presidency, it's going to be in the rust belt. But
1: here's the thing, and I don't know I, if you tell me if you've seen this poll, in recent polls from ohio and pennsylvania Trump has received 0% support from African-American voters. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not giving, like, I'm not being hyperbolic. He received 0% support from African-American voters in recent polls out of Ohio and Pennsylvania. So if that's his campaign strategy... You can't win. Exactly. Exactly. There, I don't really know what else his campaign strategy could be other than to do what you're saying, make it a fight in the Rust Belt. But if that is his strategy, he will lose because he cannot convince a single African-American voter to vote for him.
0: Okay, so people are like, "Well, but African Americans only make up, isn't it, seventeen point nine percent of the voting block in Ohio mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania, approximately?" Right. But the issue is that's a pretty substantial voting block. Right. That's a, almost a fifth of the population, and and they control the urban centers.
1: For Cleveland, him
0: to, Philadelphia. Yeah, yep.
1: For him to overcome that with the white bloating voting block, he would have to be winning at a two to one margin, and he's not. Right. He's not. He's
0: going to win the white men, right. but Hillary's going to win the women vote.
1: Exactly.
0: So I don't, I mean. So no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so how does Donald Trump, uh, is there any way possible that Donald Trump repairs his relationship with the African-American and Latino communities Well, let's in the next three months? I <laughs>
1: don't so let's use that question we can't really get into that question itself this week but i think we might have an answer to that question when we talk about his convention his convention begins this week <laughs> right his convention is uh, it's actually beginning tonight it's been happening primetime coverage is as of now as we're recording this primetime coverage is beginning um, and so you and i are missing a little bit of it but that's okay And so it begins tonight. We're going to hear from Mike Pence on Wednesday. We're going to hear from Trump on Thursday. you got a list of the other people we're going to hear from. But this is his first chance to really speak to the general election electorate and to make his case for why he should be president of the United States. And it speaks to that question, can he convince people to vote for him? Can he convince the white male base of the Republican Party to be energized enough to fight for him and volunteer for him over the next three months? And then go to the polls. Can he convince African American and Hispanic voters that they actually can trust him with their interest? Can he convince women that they shouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton? Okay, these are the questions that he has. Those are the things that he try- has to try to answer in his convention this week. And I'm curious as to whether or not we think that's possible.
0: And I'm not sure. So I think this is a good set of questions to pivot into thinking about who is and who is not at the convention because they actually consider the convention a political liability. Right. There are multiple Republicans who are in tight senatorial races who are not coming to the Republican National Convention because they believe that attending the convention would actually damage their chances of winning their seats which I think is a good indicator of where people think this convention is going to go. You have uh, Republican Senator Tim Kirk, who is completely – he's not going. He's actually campaigning against Donald Trump. He's a Republican senator. Um, And you have the following three three groups of people I think are very important to recognize that they are not at the convention by choice and have stated – that they will not be endorsing Donald Trump for president, and their spokespeople have backed that claim up in the mm-hmm. past 48 hours. So the following three groups, the Romneys, Mitt Romney and any of his children, they are not at the convention. Right. The McCains, John McCain is not at the convention. He is actively not including donald trump at all as a part of his senatorial race in arizona and instead of bringing donald trump out to campaign for him he's been bringing out people from the third group who are not attending this convention at all the bushes Mm. and the bushes are the biggest and most important group of those three because those are the two sitting former republican presidents both of whom refuse to endorse donald trump because they believe that he is incapable that he is incompetent, and that he cannot hold the office of president. They don't necessarily like Hillary. I say they're probably voting for a write-in or voting for Gary Johnson. But the Bushes, this has increased my respect for them even more than it's ever been probably. The fact that they've maintained their integrity of refusing to endorse this man whom they both know as former presidents, the kind of temperament and the kind of judgment are who are required to be the president of the United States. And they say, this guy cannot be president. And you need former presidents to boost your fundraising, to really bring energy to that convention. The Bushes can can make it rain in two ways. They can make it rain Applause and the bush can make bushes can make it rain in the form of cash. Yeah, and Trump is not going to get any of that from the Newt Gingrich says that it's childish, uh, he, but I say that it's a mark of true integrity.
1: Yes, well, that's the thing. Where you know, John Kasich is another one who is really living in living. I, I think he's really acting out quite a bit of integrity in this because he is he is the governor of Ohio, where the convention is taking place. So of course the expectation is that he will be there. He should at least be speaking from the podium welcoming people to his state and then getting a chance to brag about everything that he's done as the governor of the state and everything that that state has accomplished under Republican leadership. But he knows that the things that he said about Donald Trump in the primary election would be completely incompatible with his presence there and any explicit or implied endorsement of the Donald Trump campaign. And so he is sticking to his guns and saying, I'm not going to do it. And this is something that so many politicians would never do in the past. And I can't tell you how much I love seeing these people, the McCains, the Bushes, uh, the the Kasichs, these individuals in the Republican Party who are saying, you know what, we're not just going to go with the party line just because that's what we're expected to do. They know. That their political futures are actually more secure, even within the Republican Party, if they don't endorse Donald Trump and if they stick to their guns right now in 2016. And they're doing it. And I, I love it. I'm just, and for people, I love it.
0: And I have all kinds of people, people who in, in my family and in other places, I do not understand. If, if you are a Republican who is supporting Donald Trump, I have heard so many people say, well, the Bushes are just angry that Jeb didn't win. Or Mitt Romney needs to get over it. Or John McCain needs to get over it. That's not the point. These are candidates. John Kasich. Yeah. These are candidates that you have supported and given your uh, affirmation to for the past 20 years. Combined experience between the Bushes and McCain and Romney. These are been your nominees. And they are saying, this guy cannot be the guy. I think that that should actually, even if the media doesn't, if you think that the media is uh, rigged towards Hillary Clinton, is not fair towards Donald Trump. If you think that the Democrats get a better shake than the Republicans, I think at least that all of these individuals coming out and refusing to endorse Donald Trump should say something to you if nothing else does. Anybody who does not support Donald Trump. Uh, anyone who does support Donald Trump and thinks that if you're a Republican, you have to. You do not have to. Vote Gary Johnson. Right. Do a riot in. Exercise your right to vote. It's okay if it means Hillary becomes president. Uh, at least be a person of integrity. And don't yeah. enforce this guy to be president of the United States. And I think if I had forgotten that why. I think it is very big that John Kasich, the governor of Ohio, is not attending the convention in his own state because usually they do to the welcoming address and do have a fairly large role to play in the convention. And I think that not having John Kasich's endorsement will make it even harder for Donald Trump to win Ohio.
1: Yes. Oh, it will. And, oh boy, he's just... Oh, I think that this convention is going to do... I think that, you know, John McCain came out of his convention and Sarah Palin actually did a great job... In, at the at the convention in 2008, he came out of that convention with a 20-point lead over Barack Obama. Now, did we hear that? A 20-point lead in the two weeks following the Republican National Convention in 2008. That is what a convention right. can do for you. You see what I'm saying? And so right. if they hadn't you know collapsed in a blaze of glory, then it would have been difficult for Obama to overcome that. They just helped them. But the problem is, Donald Trump is going to come out of this convention, and the only thing that he's going to accomplish, because if you look at the list of speakers, it's—I mu- mean—a heavy emphasis is on celebrities. There, because of these many politicians and these people of authority who have chosen not to attend, there's a lot of pop culture icons who are filling the space, and so all this is yeah, going to do yeah. is reinforce the enthusiasm of the people who enjoy those pop culture icons, and who already love Donald Trump. And so it's not going to make any kind of a change in fundraising or in poll numbers.
0: Yeah, if you want to think about the seriousness of a campaign, let's go back and just think in 2012 about the people who were at that microphone each night campaigning for Mitt Romney. You had John McCain speak. You had Mike Huckabee speak. You had Condoleezza Rice come and speak.
1: Big point.
0: other people there. So you had a you had the Bushes. You had a serious group of people who were there to support the nominee because they believed in him. And Donald Trump yeah. is not someone that I think that the wisest members of the Republican Party can get behind. Yeah. And I think they're right to not endorse him.
1: And he, I don't know if he realizes, I haven't heard any news and no one is really talking about this, but the man had, does not have money, right? The man doesn't have money and he needs money for his campaign. And, Without those individuals, you talk about the Bushes being able to make it rain, solidifying the support of these individuals who support Donald Trump is not going to solve the money issues because Donald Trump does not have the campaign donor system for small donations like Bernie Sanders had. Whatever it was about that, there was a magic to the way that they handled small donations and they could make them come in like crazy. Donald Trump does not have that capacity. And I think
0: focusing on that, I don't know what the numbers are like now, but even just a few, like three weeks ago, for every dollar that Donald Trump was raising, Hillary Clinton was raising 11. Yeah. And so if that number has even held close to that, you're dealing with a more than 10 times um, uh, firepower coming from the Democratic Party, especially if the RNC chair decides that the best use of Republican uh, a war chest money, is to fight senatorial right, and to House do campaigns races. rather than the presidential race.
1: Which it is.
0: The only way that Trump gets the money he needs is if the Republican Party chooses yes. to access its war chest.
1: renz Priebus better be planning on funding the down ticket races before he funds Donald Trump's. Now, there is one thing, though, that Donald Trump tweeted, which I think he may have a point. This is a big deal that I'm saying this and may impact may impact his strategy (laughs) he tweeted out the poll numbers from like florida and ohio and one other state or something where the races were close like the these particular polls had it within the margin of error right and so there are a few different you know there's different numbers from different polls and whatever else but there are a number of states where it's pretty close like i'm looking here Florida, the RCP average only has Clinton up by less than a percentage point, um, for an example. And uh, in addition to the poll numbers, he also tweeted out, along with it, the number, the amount of money that Hillary Clinton has spent in those states and the amount of money that he has spent in those states. And I don't know if it's accurate. Um, I don't know if that counts super PACs or whatnot. But at least by that graph, you know, Hillary had spent an astronomically higher amount. And so, right. do you, A, I mean, that may be legitimate or it may just be how much money she spent during the primary and then Donald Trump's, you know, it may be primary numbers. It may not be incorporating how much they've spent particularly on general election things. Do you think that right. if Donald Trump were to gain an influx of cash, maybe instead of a 11 to 1 ratio, maybe it was like an 11 to 5 ratio, okay, do you, if that, if something, if he were to gain even a minor influx of cash, do you think he would have the advantage in toss-up states?
0: Okay, so here's the thing. I, we've got to think about what that money is being spent on. Right. If Hillary Clinton was spending that, I don't know what it's being spent on. If Hillary Clinton was spending that money on TV ads and those kinds of things, then I think that would be a very bad sign for her campaign. If, like Obama, a lot of this early expenditure that is quite expensive is being poured into setting up a very comprehensive voter turnout Mechanism throughout all of these states that requires hiring a lot of actual paid staff, getting them working in a lot of the cities, um, paying for lots of flyers, getting the communication systems and centers set up, which takes time. If that's where a lot of her money is going, then I would say that this is Hillary Clinton starting to play a very smart long game. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes the two different kinds of expenditure, it's harder to throw together a uh, that kind of machine in Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio if Trump did not start doing that until, say, August, if right. Hillary Clinton started doing it in May. Yeah. Um, so that's something to consider. Uh, the other thing that I think is going to be interesting going forward, and I think that if Donald Trump does get an influx of cash, it'll definitely help. I just don't know. I don't know if much of what either candidate is going to do is going to move people that much. I don't know if people who don't like Trump are going to change. I don't know if people who don't like Hillary are going to change at all. Uh, I think that what they're both trying to do is Trump is going to have to try and increase his numbers, and all Hillary wants to do is hold, hold everywhere. Right. And so even if she can – Maintain steadily one or two points in all of these states up to the general election day. That's all she needs is to hold steady. She's playing defense; he's playing offense. Right. But just be aware: this week, sometime at the end of the convention, we should expect Hillary to make her nominee. Yeah,
1: around. And there are several
0: strategic options here. She can choose the governor, a senator from Ohio, to endorse her, which could be a boost for her in Ohio. Senator Sherrod Brown. She could choose Juan Castro, who could really help her out with the Latino vote and deliver Florida. Possibly even deliver Texas. She could choose uh, a candidate like Tim Kaine to reassure uh, independence and maybe even bring some conservatives over and deliver Virginia to the Democratic Party, which could complicate things for the Republicans. Or she can choose Elizabeth Warren in an attempt to energize her entire base um, and generate uh, grassroots support for her campaign. So it's going to be interesting to see what she chooses to do.
1: Yeah. And it'll just, I don't know, I think we're going to have an interesting election playing out because no matter what, I think we're going to have a more positive assessment of Hillary Clinton's vice presidential selection on her campaign than Donald Trump's because, like you just laid out, and in contrast to Donald Trump, she has options. She has a number of choices. She does have options. And many, pretty much any of her top choices would have a significantly positive impact on her campaign. And so it's a a very different decision than Trump's.
0: Absolutely, and it's difficult to be able to gauge which one is actually the right decision. But I think, like you just said, they're all good decisions. One other candidate that she's considering last minute, uh, maybe uh, I like his name. Governor, uh, Sen- is it Senator or Governor Hickenlooper of Colorado? Oh, um,
1: um, but he was I think at her house
0: earlier today.
1: Someone someone tweeted Senator out. Someone tweeted out and they said the main reason he won't be picked is his name won't fit on a his name won't fit on a bumper sticker. <laughs> I know, it's a huge name, Clinton Hickenlooper,
0: twenty sixteen. It's like H-I-C-K-E and What is that?
1: Fourteen uh, digits. Yeah, the only way you could do it is you would have to do Clinton and then twenty sixteen next to her name, and then Hickenlooper all the way under both of that. But it would still be a pretty long. Yeah, yeah. Bumper sticker to be able to read it, <laughs> and you got to think about what you want your campaign campaign money
0: going towards: printing extra big bumper stickers, or choosing someone with a smaller name to help save money on the bumper sticker fund in order to spend more money on TV advertisements. These are the these are uh, in the words of the emperor from Mulan. A small grain of rice can tip the scales of war, and I'm sure that's definitely what she is considering right now.
1: Well, with that fantastic piece of political assessment, I have to say I think that ends our conversation um, in the best way we possibly can for this week. So we hope that you all will engage in the uh, Republican National Convention this week. We hope you'll listen to it, whether you agree with them or not. It's uh, an important part of the political process and the way our system currently works. And so it's going on as we're recording this. It will be going on for the rest of the week. And uh, there are are many people who will be speaking and and, and a lot of stuff going on. And we encourage you to maybe even read about the Never Trump movement and read about how they tried to kind of change the convention rules, it's really fascinating, and how they were defeated today to thunderous objection, but how they were in fact defeated. So it looks like Donald Trump will be guaranteed to receive the nomination come later this week, and uh, we'll re- we'll receive his acceptance on Thursday evening. But as always, we thank you all for listening. Uh, you can you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter. At Ingalls Wheat 2016, and engage with us in conversation. We always are happy to do that, and you may see some thoughts from us as this, as these next two weeks with the conventions go along. And uh, leave us a, a review on iTunes. That's the best way to get this uh, podcast into the ears of more people who are interested in the race. And uh, yeah, just thanks as always for listening. I am Caleb Wheat,
0: and I am Jared Ingalls, and this is Ingalls Wheat 2016.